Well, this morning when I was meditating on these readings, I realized there's 11 homilies in that reading. <laughs> so it is incredible how much our Lord gives to us in the word. And you know, it's interesting because when you look at all the readings today, what is the first reading? The first reading is basically David having mercy on Saul, could have killed him and rather had mercy. What did we hear Brother Ken just sing in the responsorial psalm? In the responsorial psalm, we just heard him say, the Lord is kind and merciful. Interesting. Now we're reading throughout this gospel passage about our Lord giving direction to us on how to be merciful. Now, there could be so many things to talk about here. Probably my favorite one that I've talked about in the past is judging, because I hear that very commonly in the confessional, as we should. But I always put in the example that we judge not the person. This is true. Only God judges the person. But we do judge actions. Anything that is contrary to the will of God, we we are not to tolerate. So we have to be, in a sense, intolerant and judgmental. See how far that gets us in society's praise, right? But always done with love. Always done with love. But yet this passage is the one that is most important. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. So you literally see mercy in first reading with Paul, uh, David being merciful to Saul. We sing it in the responsorial psalm. We just read Jesus commanding it. And the reason that I want to go here with all these other things we could talk about, you know, forgiveness is another huge topic in here. But do you know mercy is actually greater than forgiveness? I've done a homily on that, so I won't go there today. But the gist of it was, to forgive is human. To be merciful is divine. Why is that such? Because in forgiveness, we just let somebody go. We wish them no more harm or ill. But when we are merciful, we actually reconcile. That's why our sacrament's called the sacrament of reconciliation. And then when I didn't realize it till... Pastor and Sean just read it. That second reading talked about being the image of God. Now it all comes together. Tuesday is the 91st anniversary of the giving of the image of divine mercy to St. Faustina. On February 22nd, now people say, well, Father, why don't you talk about it on that day? Because I won't be giving the homily on Tuesday. So I wanted to take the opportunity to talk about this image. It was February 22nd, 1931. So what is that? 91 years ago. Our Lord appeared to St. Faustina, actually really physically appeared to her in her room. Wasn't an allocution or she heard a voice or felt it in terror. He was physically there. 
The bright light that came from our Lord's heart that enlightened, illuminated the room. The sisters in her convent, St. Faustina's convent said, they reported that the light that was coming underneath the door was so bright that no oil lamp, because remember Faustina's convent did not have electricity. And so they said there was no oil lamp in the world that could make a light that bright. We know now it was because that was the brightness coming from our Lord's heart. You know, this image of divine mercy, I don't know if Brother Mark can show it, but I wanted to talk a little bit about it. Yesterday, we did a Saturday explaining the faith talk. And I want to add a few things that I didn't get a chance to cover last night about this image that I think are amazing. And let us realize that all this theme that we just re, uh, explained about mercy is actually captured in the divine mercy image. Why? The Holy Father's encyclical, Misericordia Voltus, basically, if you read it, it's the face of the Father's mercy. Okay, so if you could somehow have a way to visualize, to manifest the mercy of God the Father, if you have some way to capture it, some way to show it, you do, we do, we have it. It's the image of divine mercy. If you can somehow see the face of the Father's mercy, you see it in this image. Along with the Shroud of Turin and Our Lady of Guadalupe, it's one of the three most recognizable images in the history of Christianity. And it's one of the newest. You know, it's powerful because reading the words of Jesus, listen to what he said to Faustina in Diary 47. He told her to paint an image according to the pattern that she saw. And he said, quote, I promise that the soul that will venerate this image will not perish. Notice venerate, not worship. I also promise victory over its enemies already here on earth, especially at the hour of death. I myself will defend it as my own glory. I am offering people a vessel with which they are to keep coming for graces for the fountain of mercy. And that vessel is this image. With the signature, Jesus, I trust in you. I desire that this image be venerated first in your chapel and then throughout the world. Hmm. Yesterday, we did a talk on this. You can find it on our YouTube channel about icons. And this is a living icon. Icons, the Holy Father said, the best icons in Christianity are ones that capture the Paschal mystery. And yesterday, I didn't get a chance to fully explain this. I would like to take a minute to do that right now. The Paschal mystery, the passion, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord is all captured in this image. This is an incredible gift that our Lord has given us. Again, if Brother Mark can show the image, let's look at this real quick. The passion, let's talk about the passion, death, resurrection, and ascension. What we are talking about in the Paschal mystery began in the upper room. In the upper room, Jesus instituted the Eucharist and the priesthood. There we see him wearing the elb the dress of a high priest, like a Catholic priest today. Underneath our vestments, our chasuble, we have a white 
Elb, this is what we see our Lord wearing in the image. He's the new high priest. He has instituted the Eucharist and the priesthood. And we see that in the precious blood that is flowing forth from the image that we see in the Eucharist. What happens after Holy Thursday is Good Friday. And Good Friday, we see the wounds of the crucifixion. Now, yes, on the re restored version, it's a little more difficult to see the wounds of the crucifixion here. But if you look at the original image, you can definitely see the wounds of the crucifixion. The restored image doesn't show them as much, but they are there. I've talked to Dr. Stackpole about it, Father Kaz. Good Friday is in this image. What's next in the Paschal mystery? Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is captured in this image. Why? Because Jesus is in his glorified state post-resurrection. This is how Jesus would have appeared to St. Faustina after his resurrection. So the Easter Sunday is captured in this image. What happened 40 days after Easter Sunday? The ascension. The ascension is captured in this image. A little more difficult to see, but why? Because scripture tells us before ascending to the Father, the Lord blessed all those present. And in this image, we see our Lord raising his right hand to shoulder height in the traditional Jewish form of blessing, blessing all those present before he ascended to the Father. The ascension is here in the image. And it even goes beyond, we even have Pentecost because 10 days after the ascension was Pentecost. And what was Pentecost? It was the coming of the Holy Spirit where the church was born of blood and water. What do we see here? We see the blood and the water, basically the pouring of the Holy Spirit. This is the birth of the church. This is amazing. We even really see end times here because look at our Lord's left foot stepping forward coming to you. Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. He's making that last ditch effort. The divine mercy message and devotion completes and fulfills the sacred heart because in the sacred heart devotion, God had to first teach us he is love. But what is the very definition, definition of mercy? It's love, not just love. I can say I love you but it's love put into action. Mercy is a particular mode of love that when love encounters suffering, it takes action to do something about it. So in the sacred heart, we learn God is love. And Jesus said, come to me. We didn't. But in the divine mercy message and devotion, he's coming to us. That's why we see the left foot stepping forward. This is mankind's last hope of salvation. And even that is captured in the image but Pentecost is also here, as I started to say. Why? Because we have the blood and the water, the birth of the church. Why? Because Satan's only two tools. He only has two tools, sin, and what's the result of sin? Death. Satan only has two tools that he's going to get you. He's going to get you to sin. Then he doesn't want you to be cleansed and repent, and he doesn't want you to be called to repentance and conversion. So therefore, you have eternal death. This image blows both of those away. Satan's first tool is sin. What, what, what defeats sin? The cleansing waters of baptism and confession. And we see that in the pale ray. We see the cleansing water of baptism and confession being poured out 
for the cleansing of sin. Next, Satan's other tool of death. What defeats death? Life. And what was life to the Jews? Blood. And what do we see in the image? The pouring out of blood. This is the precious blood. This is what we have in this image. This is amazing. So basically, Divine Mercy Sunday, which gives us an opportunity to be completely cleansed of not only all sin, but all the temporal punishment due to sin. As long as we're properly disposed, it's not a magic wand or a rabbit's foot, as I said yesterday. As long as we are disposed and we ask for this grace, we desire and we have a rectification of the will, we can receive a complete cleansing. Father Seraphim used to say it's like a second baptism, meaning you're complete forgiven of sin and punishment. But really all it is is Jesus just getting us to go back to the sacraments, confession and communion, the two things he tells us to do on that day. This is amazing. You know, in it, we see Jesus coming out of the darkness. Boy, is the world dark today. And so out of that darkness, he comes. Out of that darkness, he is coming out to give us his hand. You know, this is really important because I learned something from Father Seraphim that I want to share with you. And you know, the amazing thing, Christ is blessing us before you even ask for the blessing. When you come before this image, I mean, sometimes I said yesterday, I'm, I go to the chapel. I, I'm now doing my prayers in the morning because I, I, I found at night I was falling asleep. And when you go into the chapel and maybe you go in at late at night, you're tired. You don't even, you're hungry. You're tired. You want to go to bed, but you're here, be Lord, because I love you. And, 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 and okay, I'm broken, Lord. I see all my sins. I don't even want to look up at you because I'm just so discouraged right now. And he's already blessing you. That's incredible, but Father Seraphim shared something that I would love to share with you. And that is, he says, this completes the, one of the three biggest feasts of Judaism. You ever hear of Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, was the one day of the year the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and offer a blood sacrifice on behalf of the people and it was the one day of the year that they could receive complete forgiveness of sin and punishment. Father Seraphim taught me one night at a dinner table that this completes, it fulfills Yom Kippur. This is amazing. One of the greatest Jewish feasts. And then he pointed out, as Father Seraphim always did, the Bible. This is in Leviticus chapter 16 and Sirach chapter 50. Listen to this. Clad in his garment, Father Seraphim told me, and I wrote his words down word for word here as he's teaching me. Clad in his garment, the high priest was allowed to enter into the holy holies, holy of holies of the temple to offer the blood sacrifice and emerge from that inner sanctuary with a hand raised in blessing for all the people to be able to receive this incredible grace of complete forgiveness of sin and punishment. Incredible. But it doesn't stop there. I know I'm running late. But there are so many promises with this image. 
Tuesday is the anniversary of God giving us this image, the living image of his mercy, the face of the Father's mercy. And with it, he gave many promises of protection. We've been teaching you, please post it over your door. We call it seal the door posts. It's gotten a million views between the two videos that we have on YouTube. It's incredible, the promises. Listen to this. This is not in the diary. Again, one night at midnight, I'm sitting in Father Kaz's office with Father Seraphim. And Father Seraphim's reading the original Polish, the original Polish of the words of Blessed Michael Sapochko, her confessor. Listen to this. Seraphim, Father Seraphim read this to me in Polish. And again, I read it, wrote it down word for word. Michael Sapochko recalled that Jesus said, quote, let everyone procure for their homes this image because there will yet come trials. And those homes and entire families and everyone individually who will hold this image of mercy in deep reverence. Notice it's not a magic wand or a rabbit's foot as I keep saying. It's what it represents, God and his mercy. I will preserve from every sort of misfortune the time will come when all those who do so will give witness to the miraculous efficacy and to, and to the special protection of mercy flowing from this image. And he didn't stop there. He went on to say, when chastisements for sins come upon the world, I think we're seeing that already. And listen to this, your own country will experience utter degradation. Hmm. The only refuge will be trust in my mercy. I will protect the cities and homes in which the divine mercy image is found. I will protect the persons who will venerate this image. The only refuge will be trust in my mercy. Wow. You know, Father Seraphim also shared with me that after Hitler bombed Warsaw in World War II and punishment for their uprising, that there was a whole section of the city, I forget which quadrant, but it was completely leveled. And there were only, I think he said, four structures standing. Every rest of the town, that part of town was rubble. And everyone had the image of divine mercy. Now, we got to be careful again, because again, this isn't something that's magic. This is something that is called when we trust in the mercy of God, we will be at peace. And the image shows us this. It is the face of the Father's mercy. It is what everything we just read this morning is based on. The mercy of David on Saul. The proclamation of the sponsorial psalm, the Lord is kind and merciful. The reading in the gospel, be merciful just as your father is merciful. We have it all in divine mercy and we have it manifested in the image. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. 
Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.